Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is our Business of Show Business series. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Scott Carr, who is a literary manager and producer with Management SGC. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Seth. Our pleasure. Now, you've got quite an interesting background in terms of how you got into the business in the first place. Can you give us kind of the abbreviated version? Abbreviated, uh, certainly. Yeah, well, I grew up in Canada, um, always aspired to work in the entertainment industry, maybe just because it was such a pipe dream where I grew up that no one ever did it there. And I was curious if I could be the one that left Canada to pursue it in America. So upon graduating from school, I just packed up my car and drove to the States with aspirations to try to figure it out on the ground here, having never lived or been to Los Angeles before in my life. And upon arrival, I realized it was very much a closed circuit industry of who you know, and I didn't know literally anyone. This was pre-smartphone, pre-social media, so it was kind of old school having to put yourself out there and meet people at mixers and gyms and sidewalks and street corners in any way you could. Um, and after a kind of an arduous process of eventually figuring out that it's a business before it really is anything else. And I had to get inside the walls of a major corporate Hollywood entity. I, uh, I cut my teeth in the mailroom at the William Morris agency. And once I was inside the walls, I was kind of anointed access. And that enabled me to better navigate my relationships that way. And suddenly my phone went from having just my mom and a few friends in it to suddenly having some other assistants and then ingratiate myself with some agents and, you know, cut to five years later, I've managed to work a tenure in the William Morris agency, United Talent Agency, and as an executive at a production company, Warner Brothers, which taught me a lot about the ins and outs of representation, production, uh, working for a producer and a buyer. And then about a decade ago, I decided I kind of wanted to really spread my wings and get out from underneath um, a corporate umbrella, but still function in a similar capacity with greater autonomy and agility. And that's when I started my own independent management business. And I've been doing that for about a decade now. Well, congratulations on that. And I'm sure the longer version of that story could probably be in a book somewhere if it isn't already. Um, I, 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 I won't doubt you on that. <laughs> Fair enough. So talk a little bit about 
uh, because you have had a whole nother journey since starting Management SGC. Talk a little bit about some of the ups and downs of that, because now not only are you uh, a manager and a producer, but obviously you're running a business yourself as well, as opposed to just being under a giant corporate umbrella. Yeah, I think running a business is maybe a little bit more of a, of a professional euphemism. It's, it's, you know, it's a very small business. It's, it's me, it's my clients, you know, an assistant. It's, it's intentionally designed to not make it about quantity so that I can better focus on the true representational needs of my clients, which is very intimate, hands-on, one-on-one. It's kind of more like a marriage than anything else. So I have to be able to devote my time to them. Um, when you start your own independent business, even 10 years ago, when it wasn't as popular as it is now or wasn't as common as it is now, it's, 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 it's really about realizing you only eat what you kill. So you have to be self-sufficient. You have to be focused on what value I can offer my clients and others because I, do not, I no longer have the umbrella of a large company that I can kind of leverage my business, my business and my, my brand off of, I have to build that from scratch off the back of just the reputation I was building at those companies. So you find out who your friends are really fast when you work at independently. And for me, it was about putting my head down the first year and not so much trying to promote my business that was build it from the inside so I had something to offer. So I didn't really do a tremendous amount of outreach. If anything, I think people maybe thought that I kind of you know, pulled into the background for some strange reason, but really it was about just prioritizing my time on finding viable, talented clients looking underneath rocks that I and they would declare as talented enough to have a professional screenwriting or filmmaking career and then strategize and build that together so that when we un- I unleash them into the market with a piece of material or something that they've worked on and we've built together, it tries to make the biggest splash possible so we can get the strongest ripples. So yeah, that first year was, I had nothing going on except uh, hopes and dreams. And I came out of that first year with some, with some good wins and some really loyal and spectacular clients and have been able to kind of draft on that since then. And it certainly had its ups and downs as any business would do, large or small. But um, my devotion to the, to the perseverance of my business always wins out. Awesome. How you mentioned looking under rocks. I'm sure there's a better, more scientific process than that. How do you source talent? You know, they're actually all in my backyard. They're in the garden. Uh, uh, in the early days, like in 2013, when I was starting out, um, it was largely just as much as I could find on the internet and in participating in screenwriting competitions as a judge or referrals, like I've been in the industry for a number of years. So some people knew that I was pursuing my own business. So some good people out there who knew I had uh, good taste and interest in, um, you know, starting from the ground up and building people that were developmental would send me clients. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really just kind of identifying something any, any which way I could. And then, and at that time it was, willing to really lean into people that frankly had no real evidence that they would ever be able to make it because they hadn't really achieved anything yet on a professional scale but in talking to them and getting to know them and my instincts I was hopeful that you know we could build that together with them out in front with their devotion I I can only work as hard as they will 
And um, unfortunately, um, you know, many of them worked out. Well, that's wonderful and probably a lot to do with your efforts. So how do you get, how do those efforts work? How do you take a, let's say a screenplay and the writer and get them to a contract and to the potential where um, something might get produced? Yeah, great question. It's kind of evolved a bit over the years as the market has shifted as well. But fundamentally, in a nutshell, it's about first and foremost, identifying the quality of the craft of the person that's going to execute on the idea, because I'm not here to teach someone how to write or how to generate ideas. So I first and foremost have to find someone that has original, fresh ideas, and they have the skill set to put it on the page or on the screen with the resources they have. And then I can review that and then I can help guide them from something, whether it's help developing their material um, or putting them in relationships with people who can help them develop their material. And now more so than ever, in order to get them to a contractual monetizable state, um, be that development and or moving towards some sort of production progress, it's about making sure that piece of material they have is as strong as it possibly can be to the point at which now the development stage is largely done more so than ever by representatives and producers so that when it goes out, it's not so much necessarily trying to get monetized immediately by a buyer. It's about potentially going to creative elements that can help bolster the, the, um, the package potential filmmakers, actors, um, along with their producing partners. And then ultimately try to sell the product that will be that movie or that show to that network, to that studio, so that they're not feeling like they're getting pulled into what could be protracted development anymore. They all still do development, and many of them are really great at development, and they're additive, but they'd like to know that a lot of the work was done before they have to write a check more so than ever. So it just needs my job and the job of my clients, the job of my partners and the producing ranks have to be willing to roll our sleeves up and really um, get behind a piece of material before we even expose it to anyone. With the advent of some of the social media giant and online giants now becoming studios in their own right, like whether it's Amazon or YouTube or Netflix, all producing original content, how does that affect the way you work? I just think it introduces more opportunities, more buyers, more places that we can set content up. It's kind of skirting the theatrical model, which I still personally love and want to facilitate for clients to have product that's worthy of that. But, you know, that comes with a much bigger spend and a much smaller audience, um, at least in direct to consumer audience. So I'm all for bringing out, um, you know, these relatively new ways to reach an audience. Uh, and in terms of my job, it's about continuing to build relationships and inroads with all of those companies through the people that work there and finding out what their needs and tastes are and aligning that to that of my clients so that I can try to facilitate opportunities. You are always looking for talent. What are some of the most common mistakes talent makes when trying to find you? Um, I, I kind of think, you know, I'd rather have someone go too far than not far enough when you're trying to find something. So I, I encourage people to kind of like just throw themselves out there, but use common sense. Like sometimes I get query letters that I think are need table of contents because they include way too much content and their touch point to me. And I'm not even really going to entertain that because that suggests to me that they're not really aware of 
the nature of our relationship, which at this point is null, and I'm going to need something more succinct that hooks me. So I would say find the, the, the sexiest, most succinct version of introducing me to your work, be it in an email or uh, a clip of something that you built, or ideally through a referral relationship or someone that they build that that they know knows me or someone like me and can reach out on our behalf because we're going to prioritize referrals because then we're try we're always servicing our the relationship we have not just the one that we don't uh and uh lead with your best foot forward i think some people write or create something very in the relatively early stages of their creative career not realizing that it's an iterative process that they're going to need to develop um a sense of how to professionalize that and that might take many bites at their apple when it comes to developing their material and they need to kind of compare that to the industry standard by reading that, those scripts that are selling, watching those films that they want to aspire to be like, and then trying to get as close to that bar as they can on their own, getting feedback from their circle of friends before even exposing it to someone like myself or, or other representatives or producers. Because if it's not that level, then we're going to move on and you may not get a second bite because if we for some reason flag that at the early stage then i'd hate for people to feel like they 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 jumped in the water before it thawed and they just cracked their ass on the ice it's an excellent analogy certain certain managers gravitate towards and, and producers gravitate towards certain type of material that's their sweet spot um do you have one and if so what is it as I've, as I've grown older, my taste has evolved, and I think I, I'm growing even more about finding um, a potent emotional experience and what it is that I'm watching. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to bring me to um, rampant tears, but I want something that seems like it's really trying to share something about the human experience, even if that's wrapped ideally in something very conceptual or something very entertaining or cinematic or visual, um, but something that has something to say about humanity subtly, meaningfully. Um, you know, I personally keep a list nowadays of, of, of movies and shows that I watch that I act that actually evokes an emotion for me because I want to be able to be reminded to go back and reference these and to rewatch these if I ever want to kind of remind myself what it feels like to feel again because in the drift of life sometimes we may lose that sensation and need to recapture it. So I want someone to like touch me in an emotional capacity. Uh, which whatever genre they want to operate on, which really is kind of a long-winded way of saying it's going to be theme and character-driven underneath the veneer of whatever genre they're trying to exploit. On the business side, you get paid when a project gets to the point where there's a check. So Correct. how do you manage cash flow as a business owner, never knowing necessarily when you're going to get paid? Yeah, I think that's a particular mindset. Like I've had relationships in the past and close friends that are very much in the lane of like, you know, I need to know where my paycheck is at the end of every week and how much and what I need to do to achieve that. And I've had those jobs in my life, but I would say the majority of the jobs I've had in my life have been less um, guaranteed of payment and more believing in oneself. How I manage that is I do have a very rigorous um, spreadsheets and organization <laughs> of my business where I'm trying to project what I'm going to make. Some of it's guaranteed, some of it's contingent. Um, so I make sure that I'm re remaining solvent. Um, but a lot of it is just believing in myself and that of my clients to get to a point of monetization. And in the early days that you kind of work 
you're always working for nothing and only taking a percentage of when they get paid. So it really is about that trust and belief they're going to be they're going to be successful. But in the early days, there's no promise of anything, not that there ever is. But as when you're doing it for 10 years, I don't go into any given year worried that I'm not going to be able to achieve what I need to at very least survive, if not thrive, just because after 10 years, you kind of have to get to that point. Otherwise, it gets too scary. And the first couple of years were a little scarier than they were now. So, you know, I don't even really think about it much in terms of the concern or worryment of that as much as uh, I just have it in the side of my mind to make sure that I am trying to achieve that. Because without that, not only can I not live, my clients put their livelihood in my hands to get them employment in some capacities along with their agents. And I take that responsibility very seriously. For sure. With all the success you've achieved, I mean, you've been a bit, you've managed to be, stay in business a long time and you've had some notable folks uh, work with you. What's your biggest challenge now? Biggest challenge now? Um, I think it, it's just a function of um, remaining relevant with your business, which means that the people that I, I work with, who I've been working with for years, I have to maintain that they continue to be successful find work and create content that services their relationships, if not builds new ones. And um, not getting complacent about only servicing those clients while keeping my eye open for potential new business. But I can't allow myself to get too sucked into the search because then I'm not potentially servicing the people who are committed to me as well. And I find that balance is a really important one to manage for myself. So it's, it's more intuitive than it is structural, where I, I, I allot some time any given day, week, or month to consider new material through a referral or through some sort of query or some relationship that I think could work out. Um, so just making sure that my business is growing as well as just finding enough business to supplement any, down, any downturns in that business, or just making sure that my growth is happening in a way that feels manageable and I don't want to take on too much of a volume business and at least not yet I, I haven't explored partnerships or anything it just hasn't been a requirement of my business model your passion is obvious what do you like best about what you're doing you know I'm still a creative person at heart like I've learned a lot more about the business in my 15 years in the industry and my almost 20 years in LA and I grew up much deeper level of appreciation for the business components and the tactical navigation and the deal making and the relationship horse trading and all the things that we kind of do in that but i still very much just love getting into the weeds with a creative person talking story generating ideas inspiring them to do their best encouraging what it is about them that can have them find new ceilings of, of creative potential for themselves and then if we're blessed enough to be successful in getting that into its final iteration, sitting and experiencing that with an audience, knowing that I was at the seedling part of that. Um, that's kind of why I think a lot of people get into the business is we one day in our past sat in a dark room at our home or in a theater and we watched something and we felt like that experience affected us and we want to contribute to that for others. And so when I can sit amongst that and experience knowing that I'm a part of that, even if just a small part of it, it's, um, it makes it all worth it. It can make, it can just make all of the trials and tribulations to get there fade away. 
because that moment and with the person that I got there with knowing I'm not just representing a project in most cases I'm representing a human being that is potentially the first person responsible for making it possible to create that product and thousands of jobs for people and experience that millions of people can have and that all started with the audacity of one person saying I think I can and I just love being able to to represent that. That was beautiful. Well, we know your time is incredibly valuable. We greatly appreciate you spending some of it with us. Um, Scott, for any of our folks who are interested in learning more about what you're doing, where is the best place for them to find you? Um, it's kind of like I said, it's a closed circuit industry. So I don't really promote or advertise my business. Like all information about me is eagerly, easily Googleable. Okay. And then people can kind of find, you know, what it is that they need of me and reach out. And then I can kind of decide if or how I can potentially help or, or respond. All right. Well, we, again, we greatly appreciate your time. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur with Scott Carr from Management SGC. Scott, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks Thank everybody Seth. for Bye, watching everybody. or listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.